Embrace diversity, unite, or be divided, robbed, ruled, killed by those who see you as prey. Embrace diversity, or be destroyed. I feel like that would be really good for my diversity statements when I am applying to jobs. Damn it, I was just going to make that joke. (laughs) Jackie, you got to jump in. Now what's the next thing we have to do? We have to start the podcast. Let's start that podcast. One of you should start it. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Hi, 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 Welcome to the Fire the Cannon podcast, the podcast where we read the books in the Western canon, and we decide if they belong or not. They told me they wanted me to emphasize things weird this week, so I'm going to do that. Not true, not true. That's a lie. <laughs> That's the dystopia Jackie's in. <laughs> in honor of the second half of Parable of the Sower, which is what we're covering this week, yeah. we're going to be coming at you live from various dystopias. Rachel, yes. where are you henceforth coming from whence? And tell us your name <laughs> and what your job is on the podcast. Okay. Let and me your s- social security number. No, no, no. <laughs> and your address. No, 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 no. But I'll start with my name and my job on the pod. Someday you'll be able to slip that by her. <laughs> so we're, we're yeah. going to get her to fall for it. Yeah. You'll get me sometime. But not today is not that day. Okay, so my name is Rachel, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast that you, that's right, you, are listening to right now. And it Welcome, just, Rachel. It's great to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here. And I'm coming at you live from the Coast Road which is a dystopia you might be familiar with from the Bannerless Saga series of books by Carrie Vaughn. Carrie, you're going to have to explain that. <laughs> Sounded like absolute <laughs> Greek to me. I'm sorry. I just woke up this morning and I was here. It's a dystopia. It's out in what <laughs> would have been California, but uh, there was a lot of global warming and, and it people fell off died. And, no, it didn't fall, but a lot of California has gone. So what you might know as... Inner California is now outer California. Hell yeah. Back to America. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it's just kind of there's a lot of communes. Everyone who is part of the society, we're all connected by the same road. People travel up and down. Mm -hmm. Everyone's implanted with birth control from the time of puberty. And you have to prove you're able to create enough supplies and raw goods to care for a baby before you're allowed to have one. Sounds awesome. So that's what our deal is. It's perfect for me because I'm already not having babies. (laughs) Wow. So it's a utopia. I'm doing great. Yeah. It's a utopia for me. Dystopia for reproductive choice unless your choice is to not reproduce. So congratulations. I mean, if you want to have kids, you're allowed to leave the society. Okay. So every once in a while when we're doing this, we're going to have to check in with you and say, hey, Rachel, you pregnant yet? Nope. Okay. Still in the dystopia. (laughs) Still good <laughs> and if you say yes at any point we're gonna be extremely surprised i'm gonna get kicked out yeah that's why her video is off <laughs> you who knows what i'm doing <laughs> the audience yeah. knows her video is off okay jackie your turn <laughs> introduce yourself <laughs> we don't know who you are. hi i'm jackie <laughs> okay. well what's your job on the podcast um i am the co-host of the fire the cannon podcast yes which you're currently listening to Okay, I have two choices for you, all right? Okay. You tell me which is better. I'm either coming to you live from Bird Box World. Bird Box? You never seen Bird Box? I know about it, but I've never seen it. Sandra Bullock, rowing down a river in a little rowboat with two children. 
can't look anywhere. Anything that you look at, you're going to... Is a bird box. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you see a bird or a box, you're dead. No, there's like this force that is causing people that if you look at it, it'll cause you to kill yourself. Well, here's the question. Do you think you could survive in that one? Is that a dystopia? Do I think I could survive in any dystopia? No. Why are you asking if that's a dystopia? There's a thing where if you look at it, you kill yourself. That sounds bad to me. Is this a society or is it just one person, this sort of nightmare scenario? The whole society. The whole world. It's like a a plague that takes over or something. A bird plague. Bird box plague. Yeah. And then they have to like go and try and find a safe place to be and you can't look anywhere. (laughs) But you also get to be Sandra Bullock. (laughs) <laughs> you get to be Sandra Bullock, but you have two kids in a boat with you. and you But ap- you can't appreciate it because you don't get to look in the mirror. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the more fun option, I think, would be I am coming to you live from the Shire after Sauron got his ring back and took everything over. Now that is a dystopia. That is not real. That's a fake dystopia. Oh, you saw as well. You looked in. You, did you see? See what? I know what it is you saw, for it is also in my mind. Whatever. Is this fast car again? (laughs) You're going to see Sam getting whipped as he's kind of trudging along with his chains and his little handcuffs. Okay, sure. You're in the Shire. Are you a hobbit or not? Woo! Yes, I'm a hobbit. Okay, you're a Shire in the Hobbit. And I have to try and make it under Sauron's rule. Okay. Do you think you could? Yeah. Okay, so we're all in our own dystopias, but then we're also in Sandra Bullock's dystopia. Yeah. I'm in the Shire, but there's also a bird box monster. (laughs) There's a meta dystopia. (laughs) And we all have birth control implanted. Hey, I have an idea. Let's try to get Sauron to look at the bird box monster. (gasps) That's a great idea. Uh, Nice. uh, Nice. Yeah. And Theo, where are you? You said you came up with your own. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> my name is... Okay, I forgot to come up with my own, but I, I came up with something right when the podcast started, so let's see if you think this is He's good. He's so embarrassed about it, he didn't even finish saying what his name is. He doesn't want to <laughs> identify himself. My name is Theo. I'm the producer of the pod. This pod. <laughs> Guys, I'm scared I'm going to fall. Uh-oh. Wait, what? let's guess where he is. What dystopia he's in. Oh, he's he's the owl. What owl? The guardians of Gahul? Um, he's immortal and he's liable to fall. Is he one of the guardians? I'm not in one that it, that someone else has made up before. I'm in a different one. Well, then how am I supposed to know what you are? We can't guess. He's invented it himself. It's the year 2033. Uh-oh. And everyone walks on tightropes? There's been an interior design trend that's <laughs> so exciting. Everyone had to do it. Clear, clear floors. Not clear floors. No floors. The trend is to replace your floor with a pit. <laughs> with spikes at the bottom or no spikes? I don't know. I can't see the bottom. It's so far below. So like very, very 70s, right? Like conversation pit. <laughs> yep. Or like what about a nice sunken bed? Mm-hmm. A sunken bed? That's just groovy, man. I wonder what she meant by a sunken bed. <laughs> but anyway, I'm scared. Back to you guys. <laughs> Wait, where are you Thank standing you if all the floors are replaced with pits? Well, I'm sitting, and all the furniture is connected to the walls. Oh, okay. And there are handles on all of the walls to get from room to room. And this is a dystopia. <laughs> That's a dystopia? <laughs> you know who would really hate that? Who? My cat. Oh, your cat likes floors. I told you he only likes floors. George Michael Bluth Burton. George Michael Bluth only likes floors. 
Wow. I was thinking when you first told us that about your cat, I was thinking, He wow, would hate I the would dystopia l- I live in. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> he, he will hate the dystopia I haven't thought about yet. Yeah, utopia for some, but not for him. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking how great it would be if hmm. in the normal world, not my dystopia world that I currently live and suffer in, it would be nice to love floors because there are so many of them everywhere. It's the one thing you can count on, and that's yeah. really what your dystopia turns upside down. I know. It, it's kind of awesome in that way. Yeah. It does make vacuuming a lot easier. You have to get a really long vacuum. Or, you know, any if you have crumbs on your counter, just sweep yeah, them off. Yeah, who cares? It, it, it's right there in the pit. <laughs> okay. Okay, so good job, Thea. That's, that makes a lot of sense. That As good as your parable, I think. <laughs> as good. Yeah, right? I put way more work into the parable. That's too bad. <laughs> oh, well, it was an insult, so don't worry. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, someone else is the meanie this time. Great. Now I've been insulted, so now we can move on. <laughs> Let's go. Next section <laughs> All right. of the podcast. Oh, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> oh, no. So, okay. Here let- comes an orc. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> oh, okay, so he when we... He broke my carrots. <laughs> he broke my carrots. Yeah, that sucks for you. What an unfair society you live in, Jackie. <laughs> All right, now that the carrots have been broken, we can move on to the next segment of the podcast. When we last left the podcast, we were in the middle of chapter 14 of The Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. Lauren had just fled the town of Robledo, where her neighborhood had been destroyed by an incoming mob of paints and scavengers and 'er ne'er-do-wells and those likely sorts. So she escapes and she kind of spends the night out in this destroyed building. When you go outside of the walls, if you go outside of the neighborhood, you're kind of just in this desert landscape with like abandoned buildings everywhere. If you've ever played um, Player Unknown Battleground or PUBG, (laughs) as Joshua likes to call it, it's a lot like that. Just like abandoned buildings everywhere. Hmm. I don't know. I'm a gamer. She's the girlfriend of gamer. (laughs) So she meets up with two people from her town. She meets up with Zara, who is the youngest wife of a polygamist who lived in the town, and Harry, who is her friend Joanne's ex-boyfriend. X because Joanne moved to Olivar with her family. And her boyfriend refused to go. And I told you in the last episode, Harry would become an important character. Well, here he is. He's important. Nice. So Harry and Zara roll up on Lauren, and they start talking about what had transpired the night before. Lauren remembers seeing a lot of people that she knew dead, including a lot of Harry's family. Um, it comes out that Zara had a little baby girl named Bibi, and Bibi had been killed horribly. And Lauren asked Zara, have you seen my family? Have you seen my brothers? And Zara said, yeah, I saw them. They're all dead. And Lauren doesn't believe it, but Zara says, I saw them. I saw them. But it's kind of up in the air. Like We're not positive. We're not positive. Yeah. It feels like you would have seen them. Something happened to them. Is that how she says it? Oh yeah, I saw them. They're all dead. They're all dead now. Yeah. (laughs) No, honestly, yeah. So (laughs) Honestly, yeah. So they say, um, hold on, I got to get my tissue. Oh, Jackie's crying crying again. (laughs) Yes. She says, have either of you seen my brothers or Corey? Dead, Zara whispered, like my BB, all dead. Uh, And then Lauren says, no, not all of them. No, did you see them? And she says, they're all dead. I told you. You said these are people from the town she's been living in so far. She just meets them outside the town. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they meet up and they kind of team up. Zara tells a little bit about her backstory. Her mother was homeless and sold her. When Zara was 15, she was sold to the guy that she was married to. Oof. And she's been on the outside before, so she has a little bit of street 
smarts. Right. Um, Harry, on the other hand, has is very no soft. <laughs> Lauren tells him he should go to Olivar, yeah. but he doesn't want to. And Lauren says, well, I'm going to Canada because it's better than it is here. And Harry decides he wants to join. And uh, Zara is also inter- interested in joining up. So they kind of form a party. Lauren decides that... Instead of having two women and a man, she's going to dress as a man on their journey so that she will look a little more intimidating and nobody will mess with them. She cuts her hair. Yeah, and she puts on man's clothing. Also because they were saying that a white man traveling with two black women would attract a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. But if she disguises herself as a man, a black couple with their white male friend is a lot more intimidating and people are less likely to attack them. So do each of them have like a a certain ability that makes them an asset to the team? (laughs) Kind of. Lauren, I don't know what her deal is. She's Well, she's amazing at everything and she's a genius. (laughs) Yeah, she's white. Beyond her years. She's also a cult leader. Harry is a man. (laughs) That's pretty much it. But he's also the weakest. And then Zara has street smarts. (laughs) These aren't very specific. I was hoping like one of them could like jump really high. One of them had like a knife. One of them has a penis. (laughs) Hey, you guys, we are kind of like Harry and Zara and Lauren. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Are we? Let's see. Rachel is Lauren. I'm Zara. Theo's Harry. <laughs> you're saying I don't have street smarts? We're saying you're the uh, man. You're just the only man. <laughs> okay. And Jackie's saying she has street smarts. Yeah. I think I have more street smarts than Rachel, but I think Rachel's more... cult He'd probably be better at shooting a gun than I would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you agree? Wait, with which part? That I'm more like a cult leader or I'm better at shooting a gun? <laughs> yeah, the cult leader part. I do have very good aim. Oh, we should have made those our Zoom names then. Very okay. good aim. Oh, we need to do Zoom names. What do we want to make it be? I'll be Lauren. <laughs> you can't choose the protagonist every time. <laughs> well, I'm Zara. <laughs> Leo, Leo, that's my cat. Theo, you have to be Harry. Huh, Leo's Harry too, get it? Because Leo is a cat, he's Harry. Get it? Yeah, that's true, he is. He is Harry. All of my jokes must be laughed at. <laughs> hey, did you guys hear that? What was that eerie whispering? It said all of my jokes must be laughed at, which implies it's from you. I see. You know you're on video, right? Oh, is that the Eye of Sauron? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm being the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> All of my jokes must be What a dystopia. <laughs> I'm not even the Eye of Sauron, though. Sauron's regained his human form now, so presumably he could talk instead of just whispering, <laughs> but maybe he just prefers that. He whispered because he likes it, not because he had to. Oh, Uh-oh, Leo. Leo, why do I keep calling him Leo? Theo is Mr. Street Smart. <laughs> Harry himself. Yeah, so our Zoom names are Mr. Street Smart, Jacqueline, and Lauren. <laughs> you change yours, Jackie, Jackie, change it. You're embarrassing us. You're humiliating us on the podcast <laughs> in front of all of our friends. Okay, meeting In front settings. of Amanda Jane. Yeah, think about other various patrons. They're fewer than there used to be. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. Oh, uh, yeah, Jackie's doing it on her phone. You just named it Mr. Street Smart. You realize that. Wow, I look horrible when I'm frozen with my double chins. <laughs> how do I fix this? Get a third chin. I can rename you. What do you want your name to be? Zara. Z-A-H-R-A. All right. Moving on. Yeah. So um, every once in a while, Harry and Lauren get into little arguments because Lauren will say something like, 
or no, so like Zara stole some peaches and Lauren's not bothered by that because they have to survive. And Harry's like, thou shalt not steal. And she's like, don't quote scripture at me. Wow. I'm going to survive. She keeps saying it over and over. I mean to survive. Don't quote scripture at me. I wrote the book on scripture. <laughs> yep. So the three of them go to a secure store complex. It's very heavily guarded which means that it's safe. Mm. I kind of imagined it like, it's like a Walmart, but with like lots of guards, like a Costco. Basically. You can buy guns there. <laughs> you can buy anything. She buys tampons, water purification tablets, another notebook. It's Walmart. It's you Walmart. You can buy guns at Walmart too. Yeah. It's the same. It's not a dystopia at all. <laughs> or maybe we live in one already. <laughs> yeah. She buys some sleep sacks so they can sleep on the ground. And she's using the money that she dug up out of her family's garden. So she takes all of her purchases and they split them up and they start walking and walking and walking and walking. So this is a little bit also like Lord of the Rings, you know, they kind of went on a long walk. I think you'd call it like a journey. They start walking north toward Oregon mm -hmm. and Lauren is thinking I should probably tell them about my hyper empathy, but she doesn't do it yet. Yeah. Anyway, chapter 16. So they've been walking and walking and walking and Zara teaches them a trick, which is if you're thirsty, you should suck on some seeds, and that makes you feel better. What do you think? You thought that was important enough to, <laughs> to say? <laughs> I thought you'd be able to chime in. You'd be like, well, here's my street smarts. Oh, me? Because I'm Mr. Street Smart? No, Jackie. She's Zara. I love the idea that sucking on seeds is like street smart. Well, 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 Jackie. It looks like I produced some content from that. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's no longer street smarts. Now it's like desert smarts. So suck on some seeds. Whoa, what an insult. I know. Uh, they're walking on the highway and all of these other people, it's like a riff people all moving north and they're really, you really can't trust anybody. So little kids are running around stealing from people. Like one of them will trip you and then at, when you stumble, all the other little kids will come and steal your sack. And People want to join their party, but they have to keep like shooing people away basically. Yeah, sometimes people might come up to them and be helpful. Other people, it doesn't matter. Like they can't trust anybody. You just can't. Which Harry thinks, oh, we don't need to be so paranoid. But Zara and Lauren are like, no, 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 we do. You don't get it. Do yeah, you? we do. Yeah. Yeah. So Harry's saying, look, we don't need to hurt people. We don't need to rob people. Like, we're good people. And she's like, Harry, we're not in the neighborhood anymore. You have to think differently. We got to do what it takes to survive. And so Zara says, do you want to go your own way? And he says, no. Fast car again. Sorry, can I just ask one question? So when they're going to Canada, okay, is Canada make basically... Sure this is a good, make, make sure this is your question because you just... You only, only get one. one. <laughs> yeah, make sure this is the, the best question you can ask. <laughs> go ahead. I think it is. So when they say they're going to Canada, is Canada like a fully functioning country still? I kind of it... doubt it. Yeah. It's not, but it's better than where they are. I see. Yeah. I think pretty much anywhere colder and rainier is better. Water is cheaper than it is in the U.S. And you, uh, there are more jobs, but it still sucks. I see. The drought is a huge part of what's making everything so difficult. Yeah. I mean, people are fighting over water, fighting over everything. I see. And if you don't have water, you don't have food. Mm -hmm. So they become a pack. Harry says something like, wow, you sure talk macho enough to be a guy. And Lauren almost punches him because she doesn't want anyone around them to overhear that she's not actually a man. He's not very good at being discreet. All right. Then what happens, Rachel? They have a watch during the night and they face a couple of threats. Not super important. But at one point... Um, an intruder comes in and attacks Harry and they're fighting and Lauren has to like has to bash that person's head with a rock. And because of her hyper empathy, she's Ow. knocked out. So when she wakes up, mm -hmm. she 
slits their throat. And then they they strip the body for valuables. And it was Harry's fault because he fell asleep on his watch. Correct. Right? Yeah. And then afterwards, Ooh. she finally tells Zara and Harry about her hyper empathy. And Zara seems supportive about it. Harry's a little bit suspicious. Like he doesn't believe her? Well, he's like, I don't know. If, he says, like, I don't know if we can trust her. Is this a real thing? Blah, blah, blah. And he asks if they can see the notebook that she's been writing. And he wants to see Earthseed. And she shows him. So this is the first time. He also time. is like, I've known you your entire life. Like, everybody's very close because they've all grown up together and dependent on each other. And he's basically like, I thought I knew you. And there's this huge thing about you that yeah. I just now found out. And now I feel like I don't know who you are at all. Hmm. Right. But the important thing is she's finally showed the book of the living to someone. Yeah. So anyway, we're on chapter 17 now. Various things happen that aren't that important, but at this point, the important thing is that Harry and Zara have slept together. They're interested in each other, and they do something about it. They don't think Lauren knows, but Lauren was yeah. awake and noticed, and it was a very weird scene, honestly, because she's yeah. like, Oof. I feel that also. And yeah, <laughs> it's uncomfortable for me as a reader. Oh, yeah, she feels it. I don't know. All she had to do was just close her eyes. Also, Harry falls asleep during his watch again. <laughs> again? No, I thought he only did it once. Doesn't he? I'm pretty sure after Harry and Zara are done doing what they're doing, he falls asleep. Classic. And Lauren, like, wakes him up and says, hey, you were supposed to be awake, but whatever, I'll take over now. She says, remember last night, if you care about her at all, if you want her to live, remember last night. And then he doesn't fall asleep in again. Two times is too many, though. Yeah. He should have only fallen asleep once. He's a sleepy boy. Yeah, I guess so. So they go to a water station, which is like a place where you can pay a lot of money and fill up your water bottles and stuff. And it's super dangerous because at the outskirts, people are waiting to attack people who have just filled up their water bottles. She calls them coyotes, two-legged coyotes. They come and attack you. Mm -hmm. So there's some coyotes that are attacking this man and this woman with a baby while they're filling up their water. And Lauren fights the coyotes. Yeah, they stand up and like put their hand on the gun and basically scare them away. And then the man says, hey, thanks for that. The couple that they helped, it's a, a black man and then um, they say quote a Hispanic looking woman and then a baby who looks like both of them mm -hmm. and so they keep walking and walking and like they see this family kind of like I guess because they helped them one time they, they sort of stay a little close but they're all very wary of each other so they don't hang out or talk or anything mm -hmm. they camp for the night Harry and Zara and Lauren and then they notice that the, the couple with the baby has camped kind of close to them uh -oh. so it seems like they might be kind of wanting to join their crew yeah, because again, like multiracial groups are kind of at risk and yeah, and they kind of like see each other and maybe want to stick together, but they also don't trust each other. Correct. So the next day they see the Pacific Ocean and they kind of just go in the water and hang out, but none of them are able to swim. And at this point, Lauren invites the couple and the baby to join them and the couple are suspicious and don't want to join. And Harry's like, oh, I thought we weren't supposed to trust people. So that night... Um, a bunch of dogs attack the couple. Lauren shoots the dog to protect the baby, and the family ends up joining the group. Yeah. Then they're like, okay, you put yourself at risk for our baby, so I guess we can trust you. Harry accidentally, like, immediately accidentally tells them that Lauren is a woman. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what <laughs> like, is he right saying. away. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully that's the last mistake he makes. <laughs> yeah. <Gosh. laughs> yeah, Travis is the man, Natividad is the woman, and the baby is Dominic or Domingo. Domingo. 
Yeah. Yeah, so she kills the dog, and they're like, hey, why don't we go get that dog and have a little snack? And Harry <laughs> says, I'm not ready to eat a dog yet. <laughs> Which is weird, because why um, wouldn't you want to eat a dog? They haven't had dogs as pets, you know what I mean? It's already dead. So there shouldn't yeah. be a, a mental block for them the way there would be for us. Uh-oh. Plot hole. Plot, plot hole, hole. yeah. Well, how old is Harry? Uh, He's Lauren's age, like, 17. This He was born, like, 2003. Maybe they still had dogs back then. Right? No, because Lauren has Whoa, never what? had dogs back then. It's 2027. Oh. He was probably born in, like, 2010. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. by then, everything went to shit. Yeah. So Lauren also <laughs> decides to read some Earthseed verses to her group, and she thinks, like, oh, let me pick something that's not super preachy. To try to draw them in. Yeah. <laughs> She's keeping in mind what her dad said, right? Like, maybe we don't start with the hard stuff. Yeah. Very smart, yeah. Um, and so Travis, the the man in the new couple that's now joined them, um, is kind of extra wary of everybody. Um, but he starts to kind of ask Lauren some questions about Earthseed, and she's kind of explaining it to him. Mm-hmm. So they go in the ocean, they wash their clothes some more, and then they start, uh, Travis and Lauren and Harry are all talking about... Um, Earthseed and change. Yeah. Travis asks Lauren if she really believes in Earthseed, and she says yes, and he says, well, but you just made it up. And she's like, well, no, no, no. I didn't really make it up. I'm just describing what I see in the world. You know, we talked about how change is God and everything you touch changes you and everything you change changes change. Everything you change changes change. (laughs) (laughs) Travis tells her, well, why why are you making change a God instead of just an idea? Uh They Mm -hmm. kind of compare change to the second law of thermodynamics, Harry does. And um, so then Travis is like, oh, I remember hearing that from my mom. Let me tell you about my past. (laughs) (laughs) And Lauren is like, he knows about physics? Yeah, unbelievable. (laughs) And it's because his his mom was the housekeeper for a rich family and they had books. And sometimes she would sneak Travis some of the books so he learned about stuff. Right. And he and Natividad were both workers at the rich person's house. And after their boss started to be a little bit creepy towards Natividad, they ran away together and got married. Uh. Yep. He <laughs> was thrilled. He's, he's, he's loving so it. He loves romance. He loves love in all of its forms. We love love. <laughs> this is a love positive book. So Harry is like coaching her on how to make the religion more believable. He's just kind of defending her a little bit because she's his buddy, I guess. He's not into it and he kind of like plays devil's advocate against her a lot. But then when a new guy comes right. in, he's trying to help her out because he's just her buddy. We shouldn't have made our own dystopias. We should have made our own religion. Well, it's too late now. Let's push onward. So Lauren Lauren says that the purpose of Earthseed is not to worship a figure, but it's to help people deal with reality the way that it is. And she thinks that religion is useful if it's able to kind of ground people and make it so that they can solve their own problems. I think that's probably true, right? I don't know. (laughs) Well, so she says, you know, there can be comfort in realizing that everything yields to God, like everything changes and nothing is free of change. Yeah. But you also can take comfort in the fact that you can change things as well. So it gives you power and it gives you comfort. Right. She's trying to empower people. And Travis keeps thinking, like keeps talking about Ursi and thinking about it. Lauren's thinking, I would like to make all these people join my religion. Mm -hmm. And she tells Travis about how the goal of Earthseed is to eventually like go into space. And he's he starts admiring 
admiring her. <laughs> it's just funny. Like, she's trying so hard not to freak them out. And then, like, one day later after meeting these people, she's like, I have a religion that involves going to space. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take it slow. <laughs> right. But so Travis says, your God doesn't care about you at all. And she says, well, that's all the more reason for us to care about each other. Yeah. Hey, I would join this cult. Jackie, stop. <laughs> so anyway, the next day, Lauren thinks, wow, I got my first convert, Travis, and also my second convert, Zara. Zara says, I don't really care about going to outer space, but I like the idea of us having, like, building a community together and everyone working together mm. and taking care of each other. And Lauren and Zara and all of them, they've decided they're going to try to find even more people to join Earthseed as they travel on. Nice. So they continue mm -hmm. traveling. We're in chapter 19 now, and there is an earthquake. Wow, while they're walking, they come upon a little series of houses, I guess. Like, it's not a walled neighborhood. It's just some houses kind of out in the open, and they're like, wow, I'm surprised these houses even made it this long. Yeah. But the earthquake kind of destroys them, and then kind of like moths to a flame, all of the people walking on the highway see those houses get destroyed, and they're like, time to scavenge. Mm -hmm. And so so it just becomes a huge draw for people going to attack. And they're converting them left and right? <laughs> Not yet, but that's the goal. Oh, okay. They pass by one of those houses and they notice, I think, two women. And one of them is like struggling underneath all of the rubble like she's been trapped. And so she, they help get this woman out of the rubble. And then it's a woman named Allie and her sister is named Hua. Lisa, what's her name? Mm -hmm. What's Allie's sister's name? Did you forget or you're having pr a problem pronouncing it? Uh, duh, I forgot. Jill? Why would I have a problem pronouncing it? Because it's you said Qua. You said Qua. <laughs> you said, what's her name? Qua. Uh, what's her name? Let me sound this out phonetically. J-I-L. Qua. Qua. Okay. No, no, no. They meet a man named Bancole, who Lauren thinks is handsome. Unfortunately <gasps> for me... He is Ooh. 57 years old. For you? Yeah, because Lauren's into him. It's unfortunate for me because they're, yeah, they're about to have a relationship and I don't like it. She is too young. But right now she's she's also playing a man still. Because she doesn't want to feel like she's 57 years old. What? When she sees him, she's going to feel that physical <laughs> feeling. Right? So you're saying she can't even look at an older person or she's going to just feel old? If not, it's a plot hole, right? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think we've gone a little too far with the hyper empathy. Yeah. I don't know. I think Thea's got a good point. Like she looks at a baby and she's like, a little baby. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot how to speak. That's what just happened to me when I couldn't figure out how to say Jill. So they get these two women. Um, Bancole is, like Rachel said, he's an older guy. They hear some women vo women's voices calling out from some rubble and they go to help. The women that they rescue are Allie and Jill. The ones, Allie and Qua, yeah. as Jackie called them. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, really, really cut that whole part. Just go straight to here. Yeah. So um, Jill is trapped under all the rubble and she's like lost some teeth and she's all beat up. And then Thea loves that. I, were you actually guessing Qua? No, I think I was just. Were you saying what little in sounds? French? Qua? <laughs> I think I think I was saying like qua. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Check the tapes. <sighs> Allie and Jill are sisters. They join the group. So now it consists of uh, Lauren, Harry, Zara, Travis, Natividad, Domingo, Bancole, and now Allie and Jill. 
And are they all Earth Seeders? Not yet. No, they just joined. <laughs> she just crawled out of the rubble. <laughs> and immediately was like, wow, this house changed into rubble. I feel like there needs to be a religion about this. Like, I'll lift this rafter off your leg if you convert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're sisters. They're 24 and 25. They're poor. They're running away from a life of prostitution. Their father was their pimp and abuser. Bad dad. Yeah, he sucks. Yeah, he so sucks. So they decide to go along. They're extremely, extremely um, suspicious, and they say, what are you, some kind of cult or something? Which, yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, Rachel's like, yeah. <laughs> this is a cult. Lauren says, we believe in some of the same things. Oh. Lauren is trying to be a little bit tricky. Is this a good place to stop and talk about our what's happening in our dystopias I, now? Yeah, go ahead. Theo, tell us. Anybody else have one? Welcome to the Shire. I am Sauron. No, 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 stop. You're supposed I... to be a hobbit. That's Sauron's voice? Oh. Yeah, now that he has his voice back. Welcome. <laughs> Wait, yeah, you're not allowed to be the person in power in your dystopia. That's a utopia. <laughs> I'm the one guy having a good time. <laughs> oh, you're right. Okay. Oh, oh no, I'm a hobbit and everything hurts. Uh, what the hell? Everything hurts. I'm a hobbit and everything hurts. Okay, great update. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't very fleshed out. Uh. Christopher Tolkien is going to sue us. We didn't slander his father enough before with the Beowulf. He's dead. He can't. Christopher is dead? Yeah. What? No. Seriously? Uh, seriously. I'm going to Google him. What about Christopher Jr.? Anyway. <laughs> what about Christopher Jr.? Anyway. Uh, <gasps> he just died, Jackie, so don't act like it's so obvious that he's dead. Well, don't act so defensive that you didn't know that I knew it. Theo knew it. Mr. Street Smart knew it. Wow, that's crazy. Mm -hmm, I always mm -hmm. thought he was my age. I don't know why. Like, his dad's so Your age. That was my assumption. He wow. <laughs> he was like 80, wasn't he? I mean, yeah, he was. But in my <laughs> mind, I was like, yeah, he's probably 30-ish. <laughs> no, he was 95. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe someone's son is that old, is the thing. Yeah, that's the part that's yeah. so crazy. <laughs> so I can say whatever I want about being a hobbit and everything hurting, because little Papa Christopher can't come for me. Little Papa? Well, he has a son, Remember too. Remember we called him Big Papa J-R-R-T? I guess so. Crazy callback. Well, there's he has a son named Simon, so Simon could get after us. How old Simon? Is he? He's 62. What the hell? Jeez, all these people are so old. All these Tolkens are ancient. <laughs> Middle Earth dwellers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Who's Simon's son? Maybe Nicholas. That Let's see how old Nicholas Tolkien is. How old is. is Nicholas? Oh, my God. He's probably like 80. Let's find out. Nicholas Tolkien. Ugh. He's got a quite a plump face. He's 43. I'm going to guess Wait right a second. Okay, so I'm, I googled Nicholas Tolkien. Blah, 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 blah. One of the very first things is J.R.R. Tolkien's great-grandson great Nicholas Tolkien is a religious Jew. Capital R, capital J. Is that a sect? I think it means, like, he's practicing. I don't I don't know why it's doing that. Why did they have to capitalize the religious? <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if he has anything else that would be worth mentioning about him. Like, yeah, that's the only thing <laughs> yeah. in the whole article where... <laughs> yeah. Full stop. And then citations underneath. Like, it's, it's like when he goes and meets people at camp and they're saying, okay, let's let's go ahead and say some fun facts about ourselves. Like, well, I am, I am J.R.R. Tolkien's great-grandson and I am also a... Jew. And that's the only thing <laughs> like, that matters. That's the only two things that are interesting about me. Right. So it <laughs> looks like enough. he is about, he's a little older than us. So we finally found one. Great grandson. How much is a little older? Like three-ish years older. Two or three. Oh, I guessed he was 43. So no. Okay. 
Dang. I wouldn't have said a little right, older right. if he was 43. Is he single? Uh, at the time of this article, he was married, but who knows? Maybe he got divorced, right? There's time for a million visions and revisions, which a moment will revise. Nice. I mean, do you really want to get with him? You don't even, you don't know anything about him. All you know is that he's a religious Jew. You don't even know what he looks like. I was asking for a friend. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, uh, back to my dystopia. Um, guys, I'm scared again. Oh, no. Why? Still think you might fall into a pit? Oh, what happened? I'm scared of falling into the pit, but also I just looked up and I realized, oh my gosh, there's another, there's been another interior design trend. That's, <laughs> there's no ceiling? There's no ceilings anymore. What's it's just the, walls in an abyss. What's the problem with no ceiling? Well, the walls must be really tall. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> I live in an apartment building. Oh no. Yeah, so I, I look up. Wait, how is that possible? Everyone is there. What do you mean? It's just a cylinder and his furniture is a little higher than the next person's and the <laughs> yeah. next person's is a little higher than his. Yeah. And everyone here is recording a podcast and it all... <laughs> All the noise is bleeding into everyone else's podcast. Why are you guys doing this? There has to be a reason the dystopia got like this. Are you being punished? I mean, people just follow trends. There's an interior <laughs> design trend, and people just absent-minded, you know, mindlessly follow trends. It's just what happens. Let this be a lesson to you. I like the idea of absent-mindedly removing floors and ceilings. Just like, oh, I didn't notice I was doing that. Did you hear that, Jackie? He said, let this be a lesson to you. Yeah, don't just follow trends because it could you could could end up podcasting with thousands of other people in a cylinder. <laughs> or you could end up being tortured by an orc. Oh. Having your carrots broken. <laughs> I'm st- <laughs> By Sauron, breaker of carrots. And if anyone's curious, I'm still not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I've only eaten one breakfast all day. Wow. The reason I picked this dystopia is because I thought this was one I would actually do very well in. So, I mean, not much is going to happen. Well, I mean, we t- we told Jackie she couldn't be sour on her dystopia, and you're a person who doesn't want to get pregnant in your so dystopia. So now you're going to tell not me cool. I have to want to get pregnant. How about Jackie? Can you tell her that? Jackie, how about you tell me? Theo's worried that would seem a little bit uncouth. I don't like the optics on that. So why don't why don't you tell her that she has to? We still well, it still passes the Bechdel test if two women just talk about pregnancy, right? Well, as long as a man's not involved. Rachel, wouldn't you like to fulfill your natural purpose mm. and oh. pop out a kid? Yeah. Uh oh. Do you like the optics on that, Theo? <laughs> as long as I didn't say it. <laughs> Okay, let's let's get back to the book, and then we'll see. We'll save my answer for later. We gotta keep going. Gosh, so what were we just talking about? They had just gotten lots of earth cedars, and <laughs> no, Theo, they're not all earth cedars. They are just joining this community to stay safe and travel together. Lauren's working on them. I know you're really impatient for them to all become earth seed, though. It seems like you're really rooting for this. That seems like what it's about. So why not just do it already? <laughs> like they're joining the group and they're like, well, this book that we're in, it seems like it's all about Earthseed, so we better just go along with it. Yeah, I wish I had been written in a different <laughs> book. I don't like Earthseed. <laughs> what happens next? So at this point, their group has increased in size. Someone attacks the group. One man grabs Zara. Another man grabs Lauren. And Lauren stabs the guy attacking her, but because of her hyper-empathy, she feels his pain as well. Ouch. It turns out everyone's okay. They kill their attackers and they take some money and weapons from the corpses. So at this point, Allie and Jill have decided for sure that they're going to stay with Lauren's group. Nice. Nice. So they've 100% increased. Allie's face is all messed up. Who's it? Allie. Allie or Jill, one of the, whichever 
one was stuck in the earthquake. Yeah, her face is all messed up and she's missing teeth. So every time Lauren looks at her, she's like, owie. Really? Bunkole, the older man, says that he would like to join the group as well because he cares about strangers and he can tell that Lauren's group also cares. Do they accept him? They do accept him and they end up, at this point, they're just kind of accepting people left and right. They had a, like a period of four days where they kept people away. And now they're like, oh, yeah, come on in. <laughs> yeah, it didn't last long. Um, and she's like, oh, I like him. He's got attractive eyes. So yeah. she felt like she had attractive He's eyes. He's a little older than her dad. What everyone, every woman wants. <laughs> she con- she constantly mentions that he's older than her dad as though it like doesn't bother her at all. But yeah, quit mentioning it. It bothers me. Well, are we supposed to think that maybe she likes him because of some kind of weird, like, interference with her feelings about her dad and, like... I mean, it's clear that that's the case, right? Like, obviously, that's part of why she's into him. What, are they, what do they call it? Um, not an Oedipal complex, the other thing. Daddy issues? I, I mean, I was looking for the scientific term, but sure, daddy issues <laughs> is fine. Electrocomplex. Okay, yeah. Oh. So they get to a small city that seems in pretty good shape. They're able to resupply, get some water, wash up a little bit. Buy a big old gun. Yeah, Bancoli buys a big old gun. Great. Now two of the members of the group have guns, and they end up leaving the city and walking on. They look at Lauren's map, and they find a new route to travel, which is less populated than the one they were on before. So they go through another town of San Juan Bautista, and they end up camping outside of the town because they're trying to be a little bit safer than before. And in the middle of the night, they wake up, and there's, like, gunfire all around them, which kind of isn't that unusual. There's always kind of fighting happening. Uh Um, But they say, just lay down and be quiet. And then Lauren kind of looks over to see where Bancole is and finds that he's not there and she's like um yeah maybe he went to the bathroom i don't know right she and harry go looking for him and they find him with an orphan child whose mother was shot by one of the bullets so he ends up bringing this little orphan back to join their crew wow it's like a little two-year-old boy or something and natividad is decides to nurse that little kid and her own baby. The little baby's name is Justin. I had originally named myself Justin before we (laughs) changed our Zoom names. Wow, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, So at this point, so Lauren ends up kissing Bancole, and he thanks her for checking up on him. So, and this is the point where I'm like, oh no, I don't like this part at all. So the baby, he's missing his mom, But he's really, he likes Allie a lot. He seems to view her as a substitute mother. She used to have her own child, but it turns out that her dad actually beat it to death, her baby. Yeah. And that was the catalyst for the two sisters burning their house down and running away from their father. Oh, yes. They burned their own house down. Okay. Yes. And then they were living somewhere else and the earthquake destroyed it. They resupply again in a new community where people seem to be doing okay and they pass on and Lauren is happy There's, to it's see. It's a lot of resupplying and walking. Yeah. Tons of walking and resupplying. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually they go to visit the elves. They stay there for a little bit. La Florian. They have, get some Lembus bread. <laughs> so uh, Bancole and Lauren are talking and she finds out that he used to have a wife. She was killed by some people who beat her. She had some kind of heart problem. And Lauren kind of somehow deduces, did you get this, Rachel, before Lauren guessed it? Because Lauren somehow guesses that Bancole is a doctor. No, she just kind of intuits it, it seems. Okay. I was like, maybe I was supposed to have seen this as well. Maybe Rachel got it. But so Bancole says, oh yeah, these these guys broke in. They, they beat her and tried to make her tell where the 
the drugs were. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't say anything. He's like, yeah, they decided we must have had some drugs. And she says, you're a doctor, aren't you? And he says, why, yes, I was. Yes. He also doesn't have a particular religion, which Lauren is interested in. Mm -hmm. She also intuits that he has a place that he's heading towards, but she doesn't want to ask about it. And they end up kissing and they have sex. And after mm-hmm. having sex, <gasps> Bancole asks her how old she is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So here's how this goes. Um, he goes, you're a kid. I ought to know better. How old are you anyway? And she tells him. And then he's like, holy shit, I'm a child molester. Like, he actually says that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe her that she's just 18. And then. She is particularly tall, but you usually stop growing about when you're 18. So it's not like that means Anything. She had just turned 18 the month before, so she was, like, almost 17. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's 57. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It's too old. It's just too old. They've old. both gone through a lot of trauma, whatever, whatever. I'm not, like, whatever, obviously, whatever. Well, I'm not going to do anything about it. They're fictional characters. But if Lauren was my friend or daughter, I would be like, <laughs> oh, honey, no. You're not going to, like, report him to the... <laughs> not going to do a rewrite. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to call the police right now because they're fictional, but <laughs> you better believe. Just try me. <laughs> And Lauren, I mean, has, like, the wisdom and... Tenacity. Well, that's the thing I don't like also. She's basically, like, an elf. Like, she... she. I'm not trying to bring Lord of the Rings in. <laughs> she is written as an wait, old person. That's the wait, thing. I want to hear the thing about the elf. I, like, I'm really not trying to bring in Lord of the Rings this time, but I have to. It's like she's... You're talking Keebler. I'm talking, yep. like, a Keebler elf, yeah. <laughs> she's baking cookies. No, you know how, like, they'll look young, but actually they're, like, a thousand years old. That's Lauren. <laughs> yeah. Uh, old soul. Yeah old soul she definitely has an old soul but he doesn't like he shouldn't have known that they've known each other for like three days stay away from teens yeah especially when you're almost 60 years old just stay away from teens yeah sheesh but she's like i can tell that you're not just happening to try to walk to canada and just end up where you end up i can tell that you have a purpose and then she Mm -hmm. he tells her like yes where i have going to my sister's house well, she's living on a bunch of land that I own, and so we can go there and, like, make some... A community. Like, make a farm and a community, yeah. They bond over the fact that they both lost their whole families, but, like, that's not a reason to hook up with a teen. Everyone in this society <laughs> has lost their whole family. Well, who is she gonna get with? I mean, everybody is too stupid and for she doesn't her. have to get with anyone right now. <laughs> Sheesh. What are you talking about? <laughs> so they they are just, like resting and hanging out she's still hooking up with this old guy and she starts like teaching her followers about earth seed anyway that's the end of that day <laughs> next is chapter 22 <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of that day yeah yep. they they have conversations and she's very serious about it and he's like come on you're gonna come with me you're gonna live on the farm with me we're gonna get married it's gonna be great and she's like you're going to be the other main player in my religion because i'm super serious about that and if you're not serious about that you can get rid of me right now whoa yeah he chooses to stay with her knowing that he's going to have to devote all 300 acres of his land to her this cult, cult yeah <laughs> An ultimatum. Yeah. An old tomato. So he, we find out that because he's a doctor, he knows about hyper-empathy, but he's, like, never met somebody with it. He's like, yeah, I've heard of the syndrome. I didn't really know if it was, you know, as real as people make it sound like. So she's like, yep, that's what it is. Do you still want to marry me or not? And he's like, of course. Wow. Things are moving fast. This just shows you that both of them are having issues. Like, neither one of them should be wanting to marry anyone immediately. Rachel, just because you're being forced not to be able to reproduce doesn't mean other people might not want to, okay? <laughs> uh-huh. Are you pregnant yet? Uh, still no, still no. <laughs> All right, we'll work on it. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let's not. Still no ceilings or floors. 
Go ahead. <laughs> oh, thanks for the update, Theo. And have you lost anything else <laughs> hey, yet? Where, how walls? are the walls yeah. doing? <laughs> South-facing walls. They're gone, too. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, Jackie said I was living in a cylinder, so I don't know how that works. But anyway. <laughs> Dang, I'm really sorry I said that. You can't undo it now. <laughs> All right. So they're walking and walking, and now they find some more people. Yeah. It's a woman and a little girl. Yep. Actually, actually, they're walking. They don't find her that way. So they wake up from their <laughs> camp and they notice. Sorry, they notice that the woman and the little girl are just sleeping in the middle of their camp. And they were like, "Uh, excuse me, Allie, you were supposed they to be say, keeping watch." Excuse me, Allie. What the hell? Why did you let these people in? And she's like, "I didn't notice them." Oh come on. Yeah, I know. Playing dumb. So they share, they share some food with this woman and this little girl. They're um, extremely dirty. They're extremely skinny. They're terrified. They both uh, curl up in this way that they look at them and they're like, oh, they are used to being like hit. So and someone says to Lauren, like the they're going to steal things from us. They can't help it. They're so desperate. They're so starving. They are going to steal. And Lauren's like, that's true. But let's just Mm -hmm. let them stay with us. Eventually, they'll love them. (laughs) Yeah. Eventually, (laughs) they'll they'll probably stop. These people look weak. Let's put them in the cult. (laughs) They look like they're desperate. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. My cult's not for losers, all right? (laughs) It's an exclusive cult. I was going to say, I feel like it's interesting because we talked about how in the 90s, you know, what we were taught in school at the time was, uh, you know, everyone's the same on the inside and it doesn't matter what your skin color is, right? This like idea of colorblindness, which ended up ultimately being harmful in this book, which was written in 1993, especially at the end when they're kind of like gathering all of these people. She talks a lot about like what each of their races are. So I don't know. I found that interesting that, you know, they're paying a lot of attention to the diversity of the group and they're like, oh, this, this woman and her little girl, they're Asian. And then, you know, we have Natividad and we have Travis and here's what each of them are. And then here's what all of us are. And just the interactions and the dynamics of how that influences the group. Right. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of interesting for this time period. Sorry, you mean Lauren is saying that or the, the na- Yeah, the narrator. Lauren, Lauren. Lauren yeah. is the narrator. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I mean, is she is she saying that to other people or she's just writing that in the diary? She's, just, she's just describing it to us. Like each okay. time a person comes up, she tells us what they're... There are times when people are like, oh, you know, like earlier when it was fewer people, they would say things like, Oh, if we just have like one white guy and two black women, think about what's going to happen. Right. So mm-hmm. people's race matters to other people as well, not just to Lauren. Right. Yeah. And also, like I said, they kind of trust each other based on what the like racial makeup of other groups is, which is um, makes sense. They have Emery and Tori are the new characters who joined. They tell us the woman had a Japanese father, a black mother, and a Mexican husband. And everybody is like, Lauren, I can't believe you're going to take these people in. You keep telling us not to trust people. (laughs) So they get those people. Then they find two more people. This is Grayson and his daughter, Doe. (laughs) Do you think that uh, Harry and Zara are like, we thought we were kind of important, but I feel like our influence is being diluted every time new people come. We kind of thought Lauren was going to be the third wheel to our weird yeah. couple yeah. relationship, and now they keep adding other people on. Yeah. Now we're the least yeah. weird couple here because Lauren is 17. And we thought we were going to have a Jackie-Rachel-Theo dynamic, but it turns out we're not. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out we're having an Emery, Tori, Natividad, Travis, Domingo. Allie, Jill, Bancole. <laughs> Qua. Ah, yes. That's, that's too much of a dynamic. Okay, so Classic. Grayson Mora, he's a tall, thin, black Latino, and his daughter, Doe, and Doe and 
Tori are about the same age. They're little girls. And Justin and Domingo are like little little baby boys. And then Doe and Tori are the two little girls. Yeah. Grace and Mora and Doe are sort of like um, Tori and Emery, the girl and the woman that they just picked up. Like they're very, very um, apprehensive jumpy, not trustful, like even more so than usual people. And Lauren's starting to think, hmm, what is it about these people? There's something different about them. Yeah. And she talks to to Harry about it, or sorry, to Bunkoli about it and say, you know, I think they're escaping from something and there's something weird about them. Yeah. Lauren says we need to get better guns. Hmm. Chapter 24. So now something happens. So Lauren's writing in her diary and she says, it's been a horrible week. Tuesday of this week, so Tori and Doe and Emery, so the two little girls and Tori's mom kind of go off from the group to, like, use the bathroom somewhere. And then they start hearing screaming. And so Emery and the girls are being attacked by some men with guns. Bald men. Um, so they have a scuffle. There's some shooting that goes on. And um, Jill is killed. Lauren uh, shoots someone and ends up collapsing because of that. But she she recovers and shoots someone else. Wow. So she's injured and she's been shot herself. Mm-hmm. Jill has been killed. And so Allie, her sister, is obviously devastated. They look around and they see, like, Emery and Tori and Doe and Grayson are all kind of doing the same thing, which is kind of just, like, not moving. They look like they've also kind of been beat up. Yeah. And Lauren realizes they also have hyper-empathy. And these are the right. first other people she's met who also have sharing. Wow. Exactly. That's what's different about them. So Grayson says, we need to run away because the people who attacked us are the pyro addicts, Theo. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. My brethren. <laughs> Your brethren, yeah. <laughs> if they're bald and they're attacking you, they are paints. Yeah. Grayson talks to Lauren and she says that she has, quote unquote, died three or four times due to her hyper empathy. Right. She mm-hmm. kind of criticizes Grace and she says, like, you look fine, indicating, you know, he didn't attack anyone. And she's saying you did it to preserve yourself. Mm-hmm. But he says, no, I had to protect Doe and I don't have a gun at all. So if you give me a gun and teach me how to shoot, I'll do something about it. But yeah, like, how can you expect that of me at this point? And Lauren is trying not to seem like she's in as much pain as she is because she doesn't want all the other sharers to then also be in pain. Right. I don't know. I was thinking of it sort of like one little Christmas light and the strand goes out and then all the other ones go out. It's like, man, you guys are. Yeah. Whew. Gotta stay. Stay away. She also explains the rules of their group, which are that they don't kill unless they're threatened. They don't eat human flesh, and they help each other instead of stealing from each other. I could join that group, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm already doing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, we're all already abiding by <laughs> hey, these we rules. Would be awesome. Great. Yeah, we could all be Earth Seedians. <laughs> but instead, I'm a Middle Earth Seedian, and everything's on fire. Okay, Jack. Everything's on fire now. New oh, update. Oh, damn. What about the carrots? Are they on fire? <laughs> they took away my cheese. They took away my bread. I, I'm not John Lennon now. I don't know what happened. Yeah, we're from Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> we're just a lot from Liverpool. Liverpool. Well, Paul and I, we were playing around on the guitars, and, Paul and I. next thing you know, Sauron comes over the hill. And <laughs> Paul Wise Gamgee. Oh, well, well, well. Okay. Oh, well, nice. well, well. Oh, Jackie's Yoko, accent Yoko. work is top tier as usual. Oh, they say that there's one ring to rule them all. <laughs> one ring to bring them all, and the doctors bind them. <laughs> okay, you lost it a little bit towards the end. <laughs> Do another one. Do it. Say another thing. Something about he like, made a ring, ring, ring. He made a ring. 
That's not a good pun. And with a ring like that, you know you should be glad. Okay, yeah. a ring like that, yeah. Okay, now he's into it. Yeah, I could see that being one of Tolkien's songs he writes, like after yeah. like Gandalf <laughs> explains the ring to Frodo. And with a ring like that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have any time to come up with a Beatles Lord of the Rings mashup for this parable. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you something. I want to hold your ring. ring. This is from Gollum's point of view. Oh. <laughs> I want to steal your ring. <laughs> this is so dumb. Oh my gosh, it's so dumb. Ring, my precious. Oh yeah, we should. Yes. The precious. <laughs> Happiness. Oh gosh. The warm. Jeez. Jeez. There's got to be a better. There's got to be much better ones, yeah. I'll spend the rest of the podcast looking up Beatles songs so we can. Uh, yeah. No, you need to participate. <laughs> we're so close to the end and we're like, oh, I'd rather do this instead. Okay, okay, <laughs> let's let's finish. We're so close. Okay, so Lauren is talking to Emery, one of the people who also has hyper empathy, and she asks him if children always inherit it from their, fa- from their parents. Emery says sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Gimli in the yep. tomb but that with bosses. Bow. Prefer okay. to purchase <laughs> workers, quote unquote, who have hyper empathy because they're less likely to be able to fight back. And they're easier to control. Right. So at this point, there's a fire that's catching up to the group and they're trying to walk, like pick up their speed so that they can stay ahead of it. And they're worried that they're going to have to walk all night because it's like very much catching up. You know, the smoke, the ash, it's all catching up. They're having to tie cloth around their faces so they don't breathe it in. But eventually, they finally make it to safety. Canada. Mm -hmm. They make it to Mongolia's land. And so now it's the final chapter. Grayson, he's standing watch and he wants a gun, but... Lauren and Bancole don't trust him yet, so they don't want to give him a gun. And they're heading towards kind of a tense standoff, but his daughter is able to diffuse the tension. Mm-hmm. With a joke? She A pomegranate, actually. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Emery takes some clothes from a dead body that they find in the road, and she finds some money in there. <gasps> She's never had money before, so she buys some food and gives it to everyone as the group, which is the first time that she's been able to contribute Instead of only taking things. And Lauren thinks mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, it looks like she's decided she is part of the group now. So guess what? What? You lost another wall. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> One time I went to a Goodwill and I tried on a shirt and I reached in the pocket and there's $20 in the pocket. What? Whoa. What did you do? And how much did the shirt cost? Probably $3, right? Probably, Probably $23 because yeah. you have to pay <laughs> for the $20 and the shirt. <laughs> yeah, they're just selling bills. Money. Just, yeah, just Ooh, money. money laundering. I didn't end up buying the shirt. What? But did you did you take the money? I did. Oh no, I think it's okay. They're Mr. Street Smart. He's finally wising up. <laughs> he was all thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not steal. It's not really. And then stealing. he gets one goodwill shirt. I didn't even think about that, that there could have been something wrong with doing that. Because I just thought nobody knows it's here. Literally no one knows it's here. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, the next person to get it would have also stolen it, so. That's you right. You can always, in the future, if you ever make money, you can donate some of it to make up for no, it. No, just put it in a shirt at Goodwill. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <Pay it> forward. <laughs> <laughs> Goodwill is a, a sort of bank. <laughs> Not sure I can write that off for, on my taxes. But. <laughs> Thea's all about writing things off now. Okay, wow. so 
finally they make it to that was all chapter 24 so no no, no we're, we're not quite done they make it to Bunkole's land she said that and they find that the buildings have all been burned down oof by a fire burned to a freaking crisp they find five skulls and they're like yep this is that's Bunkole's his family sister and her family oh why did you say it like that <laughs> What? Kind of sing-songy. That's his family. Kind of taunting them. (laughs) Because I'm mad that he hooked up with a teen. (laughs) That's your family. And Lauren is like, ooh, these skulls look even older and dustier than Boncoli. Maybe I could. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of interested now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So they're arguing about whether they should stay there or not. Hey, kind of like when, uh, you know, Gimli showed up to try to you know, show his friends. But, <laughs> We're both um, sighing. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to show you the amazing welcome of Moria, but instead he finds the skulls and Frodo says, that's your family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the whole fellowship points at him. That's ha, your ha, family. That's your family. Gandalf, <laughs> get in on this. That's your family. <laughs> so anyway... Harry and Bunkole, they go to the nearest small town, and there are some police who seem suspicious of the newcomers, and they end up take like basically stealing money. Say, and they say it was fees for services. Yeah, they say don't go to the police; they're not going to do anything. But Bunkole is like, she was my sister; I have to at least try. And of course, he just basically takes all their money. Yeah. But so they they try it out, and they start building, and they start farming, and things are not. There's easy. a well, so they're able to get some water whenever mm-hmm. they need it. Yep, they haven't hit the bottom of the well, and she says at one point that Bunkole starts looking. More than a little, like, an old picture she used to have of Frederick Douglass. Mm. <laughs> and she's still, like, mm, hot. <laughs> yeah. And so that it ends. So they, they hold a little funeral, and they remember the friends and the family members that they lost. And uh, they quoted Bible passages. They quote Earthseed. Everyone has decided to stay. Lauren has a bunch of seeds that she brought from home. So they're like, great, we'll be able to build here. And they plant some oak trees, and they call their new community Acorn. Yep. Wasn't there actually an acorn utopia? An acorn utopia? I like don't there know. was a there was a community. You're talking about Acorn's wish. Yeah, you've <laughs> got to be talking about Acorn's wish. No, everybody is these days. Yeah, there's a place called Acorn in Central Commute. Oh, what? What? It was founded in 1993 in Virginia. <gasps> it was a base after this book. It's an anarchist egalitarian international community. And was it named after this book? It says it's a spin-off of the older, larger Twin Oaks community. So no. It's just a coincidence. Hmm. Yeah, we'll you can see. join Acorn to these days. It has um, 11 Google reviews. Should we read the Google <laughs> 11? reviews? 11. Yes, please. <laughs> um, okay, five stars one month ago. Samuel says, Anarchy is good. Down with Orange Man. Okay. Uh, someone else says one star. Awful. Awful. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel says five stars. I haven't been here. I found one. This is one star, and this is all lowercase, no punctuation. This community is kind of quirky, though. D-O-E. Thomas also gave one star <laughs> and said, too much egalitarianism, dot, dot, dot. Heck. Too much? Ega- <laughs> one star from Elizabeth. It's really disgusting there. D-E-S-C-U-S-T-I-N-G. Disgusting. Elizabeth. I personally, I really like the five star. I haven't been there. I think that's just honesty and optimism all wrapped up into one. There's a five star that's, it's all right. 
<laughs> what do we think is meant by too much egalitarianism? Like there should be a little less. <laughs> there's egalitarianism and there's not. Could you go ahead and rank some people? Gonna need a hierarchy here. Cause. Well, he probably thought that he was one of the best, right? So it's like, let's go ahead and rank uh, some people because I'm pretty sure I would be at the top. Yeah, right. So what do we think about this book? Theo, what do you think? Oh, was that the end? Yeah. That's the end. They have the funeral. They've decided to stay and build a an intentional community. So you want to know how I feel about this book? Yeah. I think the world is pretty interesting. I think she came up with a lot of really interesting ideas for, like, you know, how the towns work and how the, like, the sort of dangers in, in the world. I think that's all very interesting. I mean, I didn't read it, of course. I'm a little confused. Like, I, I feel like I would start to get kind of tired of introducing a new character, at least two new characters every chapter. Or you know what I, mean? yeah. I don't know. Did you feel like that? <laughs> when we first talked about this, I thought the second half of the book was more interesting, but I thought there were interesting things that, if it makes sense, wouldn't have been super interesting to describe in this podcast. <laughs> like, um, but the actual plot, when you just go through it, is like, yeah, they walk, they pick somebody up, they walk, they pick somebody up, they restock, <laughs> they get some guns, they pick somebody up. Oh. And that's really all that happens. Um, but it's like the way it's written or something? or, or... Yeah, it's like the way that Lauren slowly draws these people in mm. to Earthseed and explains it to them. And she's like teaching Zara how to read and write and stuff because she doesn't know how to do that. I guess it's a little unrealistic that people start believing her, but it's also like, well, they're all completely desperate and don't have anything else. And if you say to them, hey, do you want to be part of my religion and live with us or do you want to walk by yourself? to Canada. Uh, I think people are going to stay and join your religion. Right. I wonder what Octavia Butler thought about this religion. She writes it positively. I would be curious to read the second book. I mean, here's the thing. It could still be positive, like positive ideals, but still be a cult. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing that she says is seems really wrong or evil or unkind or anything. Uh, do you think there have been people who have been inspired by this book and they call themselves earth seeders now? Yes, I bet there have been. What if Octavia Butler believes these things and then she thought, oh, maybe if I write it in story form, I will get more people to believe Kind of like Charles Dickens. (laughs) Yeah, like with the Christmas Carol. There's a website called (laughs) godischange.org. It's it's an offshoot of change.org. So in Cat's Cradle, Kurt Vonnegut comes up with uh, a religion called Bokanonism, and that actually has converts. Like, that's actually a real religion that people are yeah. practicing now. We'll get there. Don't worry. Yeah. So the religion, so Earthseed began as fiction. It has apparently inspired several real-world movements. There's something called the Terrasem movement, and that is, it's like Terra earth and then sem seed so it's like earth seed they should have just kept it as earth seed (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's very thinly veiled maybe they were worrying about copyright issues (laughs) (laughs) it it says uh terrasem attempts to shape god through technology Mm -hmm. there's also another website called soul seed soul like s-o-l like sun oh my oh my Wow. What? What? (laughs) This is some like uh, 1998 HTML goodness. It's www.firethecanonpod.com. That's nice. Okay, so Soul Seed says, Science has revealed a story about a universe billions of years old, which may last forever. This fills us with awe. (laughs) <laughs> they have uh, that's not how they wanted you to read that <laughs> oh yeah this fills us with awe yeah so let's see it says they have an urge to do two things guess what they are go ahead guess 
Um, believe in the the powerful of or Earth seed. Okay, and then Rachel next. Go to space. So number one is just like Theo said, nurture and care for the precious life here on Earth. Uh huh. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> the second one is help life burst through the final boundary and take root and flower amongst the stars. That's what I said. Yeah, basically, you guys are right. Yeah. So Rachel, what did you think about the second half of the book compared to the first half? Did you like it as much more? I agree with you that it's maybe more interesting to read but less interesting to talk about (laughs) right it's hard to describe why it's interesting yeah it's just i mean there's a lot of tension you know you're constantly thinking like what's gonna happen Uh, yeah who's gonna join there are all these attacks where you know the writing is really good to describe the attacks present tense Mm -hmm. but we can't be like oh so then some bald guys attack and she shoots yeah and then a fire came so i think actually right uh, you should read this like you should read this for yourself um because when we just describe it like rachel said and like theo said in the first episode like it feels tense it feels like you're trapped there's so much possibility (laughs) and i know that sounds weird but every time they bring in a new person i mean they're pretty much always finding that they're good people like nobody is trusting each other and you know people steal because they have to and people kill because because they have to. And after they join the group, they still steal and they still murder, just not within the group. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're finding these little pockets of humanity where if they hadn't brought them in, they would have just been enemies. Yeah, I was surprised by that, actually, that they didn't make a wrong choice, like a really bad wrong choice with someone. Because you thought I was going to say that, oh, well, Doe and Mora and uh, Emery and Tori, like they're all kind of different. They're acting shady. Maybe they're like secretly going to kill them all or something. Oh, it turns out they're just sharers. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you thought Zara was going to die. So. Yeah, I thought Harry was going to. He just stopped making mistakes. What happened to Harry? He just stopped making mistakes. <laughs> he took the feedback of the women and he evolved, much like Mr. Darcy. Well, I think he was just kind of sheltered. Like, he was sheltered and for some reason Lauren wasn't, even though she was in this exact same situation as Harry was. Mm. And it took him a while to kind of understand that sometimes you have to be brutal in a brutal world. Mm-hmm. You know, bringing in all these different people every time it happens, like you said, I mean, you wonder, is this going to be the one that ruins them? But... I mean, there's just so many opportunities for them to care about each other and, like, adopt children. And you have a mom, like, nursing her own child and another stranger child, even though they have, like, no water and no food. Yeah, they just keep doing things. They take risks and they pay off. They they pay off, but they don't have any... It's nice. Yeah, it's nice, but I mean, also, they don't have any source of pleasure in the world other than, like, altruism. Mm -hmm. It's like she takes characters and puts them in the worst possible situation and there's really nowhere but up to go from there. And you get to mm. see, like, what are they going to choose to do? Are they going to choose to turn on each other and be every man for themselves or are they going to try and work together? Right. Turns out they try and work together. Kind of like Survivor. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to form your alliances. And someone wins a million dollars. I think, we, Yeah, I think you really have to have the second book because <laughs> as it ends right now, it's just like, man, Lauren's so smart and she's always right and everyone believes her at the end. Mm-hmm. I guess we got to do the next book. Maybe next year we can. Yeah. Hey, we'll do what Amanda Jane wants us to do. Leave it on a cliffhanger. Do the next book as a Patreon. So listeners, if you want to find out if Lauren ever messes up, give us some money. Yeah. Maybe we should do that, actually. Well, okay, let's do it. We're doing it. All right. See you on Patreon, select few. How much money will they have to give us to get us to write the third parable book ourselves? Oh my gosh. They would have to pay me like a thousand dollars a month. That's not that much money. I don't know. For one person, everyone has to do it. Here's what we okay. do. We we just find some like online software that will analyze the writing style mm-hmm. and then pr- just produce a third book. Like know? a bot to just write. Yeah. Or Yeah. We should reach out to all the people who uh 
uh, believe in Earthseed and then tell them to listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. But what if they get us? Because they're so convincing. Oh, Like, what if they talk to us and they're like, hey, you ever went through a period of change in your life? What was that like for you? And then the next thing you know, you're like, start a commune. Mm. I would love to live in a commune. I mean, I think that would be great. Really? You keep trying to start one in your own house. Yeah, I do. I want to live in a place with lots of other people around where we all just kind of do our own thing. And I think we established that my role would be that I would take care of all the cats. That's a valid, Mm -hmm. necessary role. That's a great idea for a utopia is everyone's job is just what they like doing the most. Yeah. (laughs) That would be successful, right? (laughs) Like one person sleeps. For you, it'll be (laughs) editing podcasts. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, should we check in on our dystopias one last time? Yes. I'm still doing great. I picked the correct one. Okay. (laughs) So does that mean you chose not to be pregnant or does that mean you decided to put your application in? Still not pregnant, loving it. (laughs) Still not pregnant, loving it. Can that be the title of the episode? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. You want to do a lot of research before you choose your dystopia. You want to make sure you get the right one. Yeah, that's what I thought we were doing. We talked about deciding which dystopia we thought we would do well in. Yeah. Can I just say that it is bullshit <laughs> that Theo wouldn't let me be in Titanic, but he made up a, a thing where he just has some walls and you he's just sitting. Jackie, you could have made a dystopia where it's just water and that would have been Waterworld. And also there's a ship and it broke in half and it's no, cold. No, that's not a dystopia. That's not a dystopia. <laughs> that's Why not would a it be a dystopia a, that he's just sitting in a Jackie, chair with no ceiling? Because that's a Jackie dystopia. did society oh. make it so that all boats have to sink in cold water? Is that a law? Is it a law that people become zombies? No, it just happens. It's chaos. That's how society is. One tragic event is not society. Well, now it is because you don't have any other society other than no, what's right there Jackie, floating in that you ocean. Are, you on are that so, door. You are so You're fucking sitting on the door. You are so wrong. Amanda Jane, <laughs> Amanda wrong. Jane, send us a message and s- tell us that I'm right and Jackie's wrong because she's so wrong. I just cannot believe Jackie tried to say Titanic is a dystopia. That's crazy. That dystopia. is an absurd statement. I can't believe Theo's apartment with no floor is a dystopia. That's not a society. Because that's that's just part a of society. No, all the buildings are like that. Yeah, our obsession with interior design trends has gone out of control. <laughs> I'm merely taking it to its logical Jackie. conclusion. That is what this dystopia is about. Rachel's so mad at me about Because this. Titanic is not a dystopia. It's so very wrong. It's so very wrong. <laughs> okay, so anyway, Theo picked sitting in a chair. Rachel picked not getting pregnant. And I fucking put myself as a hobbit after Sauron destroyed the shot. Yeah, that's fine. I, that's we said that it's was also okay. a little questionable, but it's okay. <laughs> no, I know it's okay, but I put myself into a very difficult situation to get okay. out of, and everything. I know worked. your carrots broke. I know. I know. <laughs> Everyone hates when okay. That let's get an update, Jackie. Let's hear. Oh, <laughs> what am I supposed? Uh, oh, no. update. How are your carrots doing? <laughs> oh, they're still broken, and Rosie hasn't married me. Are you literally Samwise Gamgee? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, they're stomping on my garden. <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> Sean Aston is American. I think we should just say, we could just talk like ourselves. Okay. If he can do it, you can do it. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you for joining us. Okay, Lennon. <laughs> I, all I can do is be John. Why hate this dystopia? Thanks for joining us for this special Fire the Cannon episode. Hey, what? You didn't check it on my dystopia. <laughs> yeah, Theo, how are Jeez you? She's Louise. <laughs> I don't like it. Well, dystopia. guys, no, things stop. are looking up. Things are looking because up in my no dystopia. Because there's no ceiling, so everyone just but they're keeps also looking, looking up down. Is it a sky? glass half full, or is is it a nope. floor missing or a ceiling missing situation? I'll tell you why. 
because it was all a dream. <laughs> Man, fuck this. I'm stuck in the Shire. You woke up in your own bed on the ground. <laughs> I will never take floors and ceilings and south-facing walls for granted again. So you've really learned your lesson. You're like a Scrooge. Yeah, yeah. Like an I Ebenezer was, was, Scrooge. <laughs> There's a spectral finger pointing to that south wall, just back and yeah. forth. Yeah. Appreciate it, Theo. Back and forth. But what poor soul might not have a south wall? And it points. But what poor soul might that be? And it points. I don't understand. And you overhear me and Jackie saying, like, man, that poor guy, no floor, no south facing wall, no ceiling. One of our best friends, and he's lacking a floor. And you'll be like, who? Tell me, And then one of us is like, I took that guy's floor and I took his Johnny has his floor. Johnny has his floor. He doesn't need him anymore. He's dead. Also, he's dead. Yeah. Also, you're dead. All right. Well. (laughs) Sorry, I woke up from the dream, but I'm dead. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Wow. That's how it has to be. This dystopia just got way worse. Yeah. Well, it's part of society, Theo. All right. So let's send Jackie a definition of dystopia after the podcast. Yeah, she really needs to know. (laughs) I'm worried about her. I got it. I got it. Okay. I just really wanted to be in those icy waters. Thought it would be refreshing. Next episode, we'll all pick boats that we can be on. So you can pick the Titanic. We're all going to pick No, I'm going on the Lusitania. You could be on the Titanic. Oh gosh. I'm gonna be old Ironsides. Anyway. Well, you know you know what we're actually doing next week is a spring <laughs> poetry sampler. Are you sure? Rachel, uh Theo, put yes. up what's a spring sound? Boing. Cheep, cheep, cheep. Or maybe oh, like a that kind of spring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got tons of poems about um tightly coiled metal wires coming right up. Theo's worried poets are gonna sue us if we talk about their poems. If we read their poems. Well, if you read them, I I don't know if you're allowed to read them. We're going to read the poems on the podcast, but just silently. If they try to sue us, whatever. There are plenty of poems that are in the public domain that we could do. So we'll do five public domain springtime poems (laughs) next week. Okay. Coming at you next week, we have... Count them. Not one. Not two. Not, not three, three. Not three. Not five. Four, not, not six. M- wait. Wait. Oh, yes. Five. Five. <laughs> wait. Are we going to have to say every number that is not? Because that's going to take a long time. Uh, yeah, not seven. <laughs> not eight. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We're going to have five. five public domain poems coming at you about... About spring. Springtime. Yeah. Because guess what? It's spring. The trees are blooming. The flowers are screaming. The birds are mating. The buzz are being, and we are ready for spring. Spring so. has sprung. Join us next week. We're going to get you a little bit of more lightheartedness after the um, uh, depression fest that was Parable of the Sower. Oh, and yeah. Depression fest. <laughs> De- depressed. Depressed fest. Depressed fest. Wait, we got to thank our new patron. Uh, yeah. Francis uh, yeah. Lee. Francis. 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 Woo, woo, woo. Francis. Not to be mistaken with Francis, my father. You guys don't even know who Francis is, do you? Correct. You're ignorant. A friend I in I know Singapore. that I love her. You're ignorant fools. I'll yeah. tell you who she is. She was my piano teacher one semester. What? I can tell you other things about her. She. Uh, She's our number one Singaporean listener. Easily beating out my boyfriend, Above Dasha. Jackie's boyfriend, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Hey, Francis, if you're ever... Looking for some companionship? Let me know. What? <laughs> Jackie will date anyone who is currently in Singapore. <laughs> anyone and everyone. And if you listen to our podcast, that puts you just right at the top of the list. If you live in Singapore and you listen to the podcast more than Jackie's boyfriend does, congratulations. You're her new boyfriend. <laughs>
<laughs> Francis, you're my boyfriend. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Okay. Well, thank. Anyway, thank you, Francis. She's actually a good friend of mine. I should say some other things, maybe. Yeah. Some nice other than she was your piano teacher. Yeah. She's good at piano. She does a sort of. She's good at the. Theo just wiggled you know, his fingers around to show that she's good at piano. Yeah. Yeah, she's good at the sort of light finger action stuff. Okay, like, uh-huh. interesting uh, thing interesting to say. Interesting choice of words. Um, Is that bad? A little bit suggestive to say someone's good at the light finger action. Oh, shoot. Yeah. She does use all 10 of them. Yeah, she plays like Mendelssohn sort of stuff really well, that sort of stuff. And uh, she likes music theory stuff. Those are things about her. I feel like I know great, her already. Great friendship <laughs> facts that have nothing to do with being a piano teacher. She's good at playing Mendelssohn. <laughs> She's actually a great friend of mine. Oh, she has light fingers. <laughs> she champions Fanny Mendelssohn Hensel. We love Fanny Mendelssohn. Hensel. Hensel. Early female composer. Nice. Everybody loves and that. And noted yeah, uh, younger sister slash wife of Felix Mendelssohn. <laughs> no, no, no. Not slash. <laughs> not slash. You mean just... and, or, no, you mean or. <laughs> or. <laughs> oh, which one is it? Sister or wife? Not or sister, sister wife. slash wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what I say when I'm hedging my bets. Wait, Theo, answer <laughs> no. the question. Yeah, sister. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't a question. (laughs) I guess what I should have said was Felix Mendelssohn was Fanny's brother. Slash husband. (laughs) Slash husband. I don't want to have too much much egalitarianism. 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 Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Those are some good facts. I hope she's not disappointed by those facts. Well, tell her Uh, she's disappointed. We'll say some more next week. (laughs) We'll make a Patreon bonus episode that's just Just facts. Francis facts. Not Francis. Not Francis Frances. Ah, yes. My grandmother's name was Frances. That's a great Frances fact. <laughs> mm-hmm. Frances, yes. Her, my grandmother's name was, in fact, not Frances. It was Frances. Wow, nice. Love you, babe. Thanks. Um, now I feel bad that the people we mentioned last week didn't get nearly as much time spent on them. Well, we were floundering with this one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say more facts about them next time. Okay. Also, Just, you don't have to leave all of that in. Yeah. <laughs> Especially not all the parts where I sexually harass her. <laughs> Take those parts out. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that in so they think it's way worse than what you actually said. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> All right, let's thank our international listeners. Russian Federation, thank you to our one guy slash girl in Russia. Top exports, crude petroleum, refined petroleum, petroleum gas, coal briquettes, and wheat. Wheat. (laughs) Who has listened to two episodes, right? Okay, now do Japan. Top exports, cars, Uh integrated circuits slash microassemblies, automobile parts slash accessories. And machinery for making semiconductors. And this goes out to you, Nanami, our Japanese listener. I know who it is. How do you know who it is? Nanami. You're not allowed to know who it She's is. She's our Japanese exchange student. I know she listens. Oh. Yes. Arigato gozaimashita, Nanami. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we are very grateful to have you. And please join us next week for our spring poems. It's going to be delightful and lighthearted. You can follow us on Facebook. We have a discussion group and an official page for announcements. Please join both or you might miss something awesome. That is Fire the Cannon podcast on Facebook. You can also join us on Twitter and Instagram at Fire the Cannon Pod. We are on a website. That is our website that was created for us by Stephen to be our website. And the website is www.firethecannonpod.com. If you go to patreon.com slash fire the cannon, you will find our Patreon page. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash fire the cannon. Um, we have tiers that are set up from $1 a month for just a nice little tip, a nice little thank you, um, all the way up to $10 a month with um, really amazeballs perks in each of those <laughs> tiers. You would know. 
There are too many websites these days. This is the dystopia we're living in. Too many websites. Too many damn websites. Ugh. Get these orcs out of here. Yeah, I liked it back when it was just godischange.org and Yahoo email. <laughs> when it was just those two websites, internet was better. I miss when it was just Ask Jeeves and MySpace. And Rachel, what did you love it when it was just... She won't tell us. Her favorite websites were PornTube and... Whoa! (laughs) Is that that a website? I'm sure it is, right? Probably (laughs) anything with porn and one other word in it is a website. (laughs) Well, Rachel said corn porn, so that's her favorite website. (laughs) You gotta start recording, Rachel. Okay. Thank you for joining us. Let's go ahead and say bye now. Goodbye now. Okay, Rachel's mic is malfunctioning, but she also said bye now. Here we go. Last one. (laughs) I'm trying to speak to write the truth. I'm trying to be clear, not interested in being fancy or even original. Clarity and truth will be a plenty if I can only achieve them. I feel like these lyrics weren't written for sea shanty settings. That's my complaint. That's weird. I thought all sci-fi books had sea shanty somewhere in them. I thought they were mostly sea shanty.